Morning. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is producer and drummer Nick Buda. Nick was the second guest that we ever had on this podcast back in January of 2015. We're real excited to have him back. We wanted to catch up with him and see if we could extrapolate a little bit more information from this super player. Early in Nick's career, he toured with such diverse artists such as Edward McCain, Hank Williams Jr., Jed Hughes, Maya Sharp, Emily West, Colonel Bruce Hampton, and the Co-Talkers, and many others. His playing is featured on country pop sensation Taylor Swift's first five multi-platinum albums. This includes Fearless, which won many Grammys, including Album of the Year. Other artists Nick has recorded with include Richard Marks, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, Kenny Loggins, Lady Annabellum, Martina McBride, and Randy Hauser, to name a few. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I do here at the podcast, you can become a Patreon member. Find us at patreon.com slash working drummer. Any donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content that's provided by our former guests. This content covers a variety of topics, but it's all educational and applicable to the working professional. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal, and you can find links to both of these things on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. And while you're there, you can find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done over the years. And no matter what your platform of choice is for listening to podcasts, giving us a like, a rating, and review always helps us grow. So again, uh, Nick and I have been talking about this for a few years. We've been friends since he moved back to Nashville in 2003, and I was here in 2000. So I've known Nick for quite some time. And as I mentioned in our episode here, that he was instrumental in giving me the confidence to start this podcast. Uh, in, in other words, when I was looking at guests to have on, I didn't have to go very far to think about friends and acquaintances that I had in this town that was going to help me start strong with this podcast. And Nick is one of those players. And um, I'm just so excited that as a friend that we could sit down and catch up with all the great things that he's been up to and all the changes in his personal life and things like that that has affected his wonderful career. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Nick Buda. That's the thing about recording, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of common sense stuff, some of which isn't, some of which can be disproven when you get into it by guys that really understand the, the technical mm-hmm. side of it, mm-hmm. and some of which is just like, yeah, well, that makes sense, and that's how I'm going to run it. <laughs> and that's a lot, to me, that's a lot of recording. <laughs> that's a lot of like, what well, does it make sense to put the mic on the very rim of the tom 
and expect that that's going to sound as good as like trying to get it a little like at least pointing a little more down towards the center you know because yes, i exactly. see some engineers that have it pointing right at this right here i, I never understood that that's never going to sound good no. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah especially that close you know yeah so. uh, it, it's again joe talked about that too you know treating toms differently than you treat the snare drum in, in the way that you tune it yeah and it's like yeah i get that i mean unless it's for an effect i'm not going to like be playing rim shots on the tom i'm going for that strong fundamental yeah 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 interesting yeah well here we are again yes five six what i say almost seven years later almost seven years later and dude older than my kid anyway i know yeah i've had two kids since we last chatted well, that's kind of the that's kind of the thing. I check with all my former guests. How many children have you had? And is it you time to, to circle back? You have to meet a minimum criteria. <laughs> oh, you haven't had any kids? Ah, we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait. But I okay. Talk to you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah working drummer. This is what we're talking about. Working. <laughs> anyway, what are we working? Yeah, um, man. We've been talking about this for a couple of years, and we've known each other. I moved here like 2000, and I think we've met shortly thereafter. Yeah, I moved in like 2000, end of 2002. So. So not that move back. All right. Well, yeah, but I wasn't. If, did we meet before that? Because I was living in Atlanta. No. I was yeah. kind of touring around, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I moved. Yes, that's right. Moved back in like end of two thousand two, beginning two thousand three. Yeah. yeah. So for anyone that's interested in Nick's backstory that we don't really need to go back into again, you can go back to episode two and listen to me stammer and uh, <laughs> the sound quality. <laughs> <laughs> At the podcast in its infancy, mm. January of 2015. Golly. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, and you look younger, man. Well, you thank like, you. Yeah. I look younger now? Yeah. So I don't know. Well, <laughs> I like to say that this this gray in my hair is how I'm trying to look hip, like the young the young kids, like the the girls that have like silver hair now. Well, I'm trying to bring that over to guys. That's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'd, l- I'd love to talk about kind of what's been happening in the last seven years, maybe what has changed, yeah. particularly with, um, it's been a while since it was kind of a common theme over 2020. We were doing a lot of remote interviews and saying, okay, how are you dealing with COVID shutdown? How has it changed the way you work? I'd like to talk a little bit about that as well, if how that's affected you. But um, more importantly, man, you've had a couple kids. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So moved a couple times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, maybe how that's kind of affected your work. Yeah. Life balance and stuff. Well, it's there's been well, I'm and then of course we're sort of still in, but reemerging from a pandemic, and, and there's I think it all uh, definitely changes the perspective, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know as musicians we're so wrapped up in our little bubbles of what we do. And, um, you know, it's one thing to get out of town for a week, get away with the family or whatever, uh, for a little bit of perspective, refreshing, but boy, having a kid and then, uh, going through a pandemic that sure will reset what's important. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and all of a sudden it's not so much about me anymore. It's about, well, a, with the kid, it's about the family and then it's about, the whole like about life you know so much more than just me hitting drums and who's going to hire me next kind of thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) you know mm -hmm. so i think the kids thing you know um my friend steve mackey's freaking my favorite one of my favorite bass players uh close close friend told me very many years ago when we were doing gigs 
he was like, man, I cannot wait for you to have kids because I can't wait to see how you're playing changes once you have a kid yeah <laughs> and i was like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> but then but then after i had a kid i kind of understood what he meant because it's kind of like you you aren't so focused on it doesn't ma- matter as much not that it's not important but mm-hmm. you're not it, it's not as um uh, you know um what's the word i'm looking for like everything isn't as precious you can you can just play and I, I found that with myself anyway. I, I didn't feel as um, overly conscious about what I was bringing into a session or what I was bringing to a gig. I'm a guy. I play drums. They're calling me because they want me to play on the thing. Here I am, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. And so now uh, I feel like I don't know why the pressure's off, but it feels like maybe it's because I'm not as focused on okay, you know, this is, the session is this, obviously a lot of money every time that somebody puts a session together. What am I bringing to this? Like, what is my addition to this whole thing? And I don't know that that's, uh, nowadays I'm just, I'm, I'm coming in and I'm just, I'm doing me and, and I don't, mm-hmm. I really don't worry about it so much. And I think that's mostly, that mostly changed after I had my daughter and then it's definitely changed after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. My approach now to music is just being very grateful to be able to still get to do this mm-hmm. uh, in this time where obviously there's lots of young guys attacking the scene, trying to claw their way in and and, and doing great. Mm-hmm. I just don't, there's a rat race scenario that I don't feel as, uh, that I don't feel is as important anymore. Um, I'm very fortunate, I think, to feel that way because you can drive yourself crazy and i am determined to not drive myself crazy <laughs> i love that man i yeah. i feel like it's there's a, like a not to quote spinal tap but it's a freeing up yeah in many ways completely and sometimes that happens just due to time the course of time maturity yeah. falls upon us and we re- hopefully get to the point where we realize that yeah uh Having kids was really important uh, in giving me a chance to advocate more for myself, knowing that I had people relying on me. Yes. So I was more determined to stand my ground with how much uh, I was willing to get paid or not get paid. Yeah. You know, is the gig worth it? Is it is it worth time and energy? That's right. You know, and I'll tell you, especially with a newborn i mean you know ashley is is a is a super mom when it comes to the kids and is super she had a cape on when i walked in the door which was a little weird i didn't say anything that maybe she was just cold but that's what it was it was <laughs> she's super mom that's she's right. super mom. <laughs> yeah she uh you know i've it just so happens that before i saw so our, our son is now maybe 17 weeks old or something like that and right before he was born yeah i don't know what happened but as this town goes in cycles my stock went up you know and and Mm -hmm. so i i've just been very busy for the whole time he he was he was three weeks early and so i had you know things were happening and i kind of knew when to plan for when he was born and then Mm -hmm. he came three weeks early and Mm -hmm. i obviously moved around you know we did what we needed to do but I've just been really slammed. And and some of that stuff has been a little bit of travel stuff. I was doing um, a session in New York last week, which kept me away for mm-hmm. most of a week, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that's 
her having to take care of two kids and a little baby for that amount of time. And, you know, I mean, they've been, they've just been those kind of things that have popped up. And, um, I would say it's very hard when you have a newborn for a musician because musicians, other jobs, you can, you can kind of work around a kid. A lot of times there is nothing I do for my gig that I can bring a baby with. Yeah. <laughs> Gig <laughs> session, uh, there's just nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, it's amazing. She's been, it's been great that she's been able to do that, and I know it hasn't been easy to, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. I've got stories like that as, as well. But you also talked about the pressure coming off of feeling like you have to hustle. And I kind of feel like maybe that's been part of who you are for a long time, but maybe the pandemic was one of those things that kind of helped seal that um, philosophy in you to be like, I'm here. I've worked real. And and also I think that just comes with time as well. Yeah. And being like, I've, I've hustled. I've, Oh, I've yeah. put in the time. I've put in the work. I've developed the friendships and the relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think to, there's always some degree of hustle. There's no doubt. We're always okay. kind of maneuvering our way through gigs, sessions, whatever. You, there's always that. I think it's it's ingrained from the get-go. There's a couple things ingrained, I think, with most musicians. A, to say yes which I think as you get a little older and you kind of move through, you're like, actually, I don't have to say yes to everything and that's okay, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's there's that. But there's also that constant hustle where um, you see things that you want and you figure out how to get there or you see some things come up that you're like, well, I'm not sure, but this could lead to this and blah, blah, blah. You kind of have right. this overarching view of of a lot of things and I think that that could be considered hustling, you know? And I mean, I'm not, I'm not huge into the social media thing and yet that's probably the most forced hustle I have is having feeling like I need to post about things at some regularity you know Mm -hmm. because if you don't there's this sort of idea or scare or something that you're just going to (laughs) disappear you know because I and and I don't think that's completely true, but I do feel like I do get some work because of some posts that somebody would see and say, oh, yeah, Nick, I'm going to call him for this mm-hmm. thing, even if, whether they're sending me a song to do here in my studio or whether it's like, oh, I'm putting together a session. Yes, I, I forgot that he, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They see a post and they do that. Now, I'm not going to post in, in crazy amounts in the hopes that, one of one of five is catching a new piece of work or something, mm-hmm. but I do feel like it's important. We're all little storefronts out there, you know. We're all our own little business, yeah. trying to get trying to get people in the door, right? Mm-hmm. And I think if you keep the lights off and you don't tell anybody and you just hope that somebody realizes you have a great product, the pe- people aren't necessarily going to come in mm-hmm. the door. You mm-hmm. know, you've got to you got to have it out there. And so I, but at the same time. I also don't like standing on the sidewalk freaking ushering people in, yes. <laughs> you know, so there's, yes. so there's a line in between there. And I think everybody's got to find that own line for themselves. Yeah. Uh, certain people are heavy self promoters and they could be promotion machines for other people if they weren't their own promotion <laughs> machines, you know, there's <laughs> the side hustle. Yeah, completely. Um, I'm not that, you know, I'm yeah. definitely, I like the idea that somebody called me just because they heard my playing on something and they want me for that. That's yeah. the, that's the A 
scenario, you yeah. know. But that's not really how it works a lot of the time. Some people that know? post all the time, it's it becomes noise that just disappears for me. I, you know, I feel like it, but I feel like if you spend, it depends on how much time you spend on those social media platforms. And mm-hmm. if you keep seeing mm-hmm. this name pop up all the time, I agree that it can become noise. Mm-hmm. It also can become the thing that you think of when you think, when whoever out there thinks, I need a drummer for this thing. Oh, wait, I just saw, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You know, that's, it's been, it's been interesting. And it's, it's this conversation we've had many times on the podcast. Yeah. It's different now than it was a year ago than it was two years ago. It's yeah. constantly evolving. I think so. And I, you know, when you see part of the game of the younger crew that is doing a lot of the uh, music bro sessiony stuff right now, a fair amount of their game is what they're posting on social media. It's mm. all part of the play, you know, and I don't I don't put them down for it at all. It's it's a skill as much as being in a room talking to people and getting yourself work or getting yourself. So what do you mean by that? Like the style in which they're posting? I think so. I mean, I I think there's a certain thing that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm as, uh, you know, skeptical and whatever is, and, and, you know, whatever as as anybody, but I do feel like there's a tone that is within a lot of those, their posts, which, is smart because there's this it's like oh what wow, th- those are the guys that are really happening right now mm. and and it's and I, and I think that it's i in one sense i give them credit for it and in another sense i kind of wish that it wasn't it it didn't need to be the thing partly because i i would love to just throw a picture up every once in a while isn't this cool that i'm getting to play this thing or with this person mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. The sunset is cool. I don't know, <laughs> whatever it is, mm-hmm. but I do feel like it's a part of the advertising now. It's a part of the yeah. it's a part of the storefront, and you and you and you have to have it out there in the best way. The there there are certain ways of doing it. And I, I think that that uh, I'm a little more d- don't focus on me type of person. I think there's a lot of people that are like, hey, focus all of this on me. And I and I don't I don't think it's a I'm trying to say I don't think it's a negative. I think that that's a, a real positive. It's just not the that my kind of personality, you know. Yeah, but but you and I think that if you do post every once in a while, there is a there is a quality you have to consider and and there's it's funny because I I don't remember who it was I was talking to. Um but you I posted something about um a couple months ago a session and you were had a video posted of you playing a Carlos Vega fill. Ah, uh, oh yes. Yeah. I was like the example of the one, yes. One thing that's so subtle or whatever. God, I forgot that up. And it, ma- and it yeah, made yeah. it in and, and I was talking to somebody and we were like, Nick needs to post more yeah. because that's, that, that's those like, little that reminds, things. those little things. It's yeah. like, yes. You know that it's true. And actually, and actually, you know, cause, cause I will say that and not, it, this is not at all about me, but I do think that those little things need to be known. I, you know, we all as drummers, we all have the things that that uh, spark us, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'll hear what you hear on a record. We could listen to the same song, mm-hmm. let's say, and I bet that you'll hear something like, "Oh, bad, that was badass." That that doesn't strike me quite as the same way, but I'll be like, "Oh man, that other thing is badass." That you know, we all have where I'll take from those things, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember playing that song. 
um, for Kevin Murphy. We were sitting in the car after getting coffee, and I was like, dude, you got to hear this, because I'd been listening to that record on to, to go meet him. And uh, and the whole song is freaking badass, and the whole groove of that tune is badass, but that one half bar or one beat little snare thing, that's so subtle that 99% of people wouldn't even notice it. Mm-hmm is one of the things when I think of Carlos Vega, I think that's how smooth he is. He plays the coolest shit that would fly by the radar of most people, and it's so cool, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, anyway, I just, yeah, those kind of things I think would be cool to highlight a little more, you know, and, and to be like, right, isn't this cool? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. What happened when the shutdown happened? Did you Did your work change a whole lot? The people you work with change. Yeah, so it was funny because um, pre-shutdown things had actually, if I remember correctly, I was kind of slowing. Like it was kind of slowing down a little bit, and it's just as I say, sort of the cycle of this town. You're, mm. you're uh, a, a friend of mine said it best. Something is something like, uh, "Have you heard of this guy Nick Buda? Man, I've got to call Nick Buda on the session." Man, and then and like and then it goes from there to like, man, you have have you heard anything from Nick Buter recently? <laughs> like, you know, there's <laughs> there's this constant cycle of like you're it and you're not it, uh, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I think I've been through it probably three times now or something. Yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, I, there's certain people that call me all the time for sessions, and that's always great. And then those sessions started getting a little weird when the pandemic started rolling on, and then it really. There were some folks that really wanted to keep the things going, but it was really shut down. And I and I decided it just wasn't. There was a point that I shut it off. I was like, "This is not safe." Yeah, because we don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then it just stopped for at least three months or so, mm-hmm. you know. And then some people started doing sessions again. Obviously, everybody was in masks, and I would only go and do the ones where I knew the studios and they weren't tight, and it wasn't like you know, maybe the drums were in their own room and things like that. And for a long time that's kind of what it was you know there yeah. were certain sessions were okay i was wearing a mask the whole time and i would and and we would listen to the stuff instead of coming to the you know control room and everybody listening together and sort of hanging out to the song before we go in and play it mm-hmm. we would just stay behind where in our little stations i would just yeah. be sitting behind the drums the whole yeah. time we'd yeah. listen to the next tune you know and then play it and blah 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 so not as fun but the work was still there yeah. you know we could still get out there and work and make and make money and stuff. Um, but the other thing was getting back out and playing with other people for the first time was all of a sudden it was like, wow, this is cool. It's funny how we mm-hmm. ne- never really thought about this before. Right. You know, right. and it's a neat, I'd say there's a, the, really some really big silver linings to this whole pandemic. And I that's, agree. and that's a big part of it is, the first sessions I was doing were, were brought that new that that feeling again of like wow this is so familiar and yet so new and then the first gigs I did the same mm-hmm. same kind of thing first time I'd walked up on stage in however many months you know whenever that first gig was again it was like wow this is so weird but yet so familiar you know mm-hmm. it's 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 interesting it's interesting you, know, you take it for granted and I think that that reset is that silver lining for a lot of us that get so we're so inspired as as young players to like at someday I want to do this and we see pictures and videos and we read about our heroes and we want to do it and then then we, you do it and then you're in it and then you you 
miss the forest for the trees, you know, I don't know, yeah. probably miss appropriating that, whatever. Mis- no, 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 you're right. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not really recognizing just how fortunate you are to, first of all, play music. Yes. Second of all, play music for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the level you are, with the players you are, uh, that that kind of hard reset that 2020 gave us, uh, for a lot of us, was a chance to be like, what am I doing? Completely. Yeah. yeah. And you hear about it in the non-music world. You hear about how certain industries are having such a hard time hiring and, and, yes. and all that sort of stuff. You know, and, yes. and, it, and it makes complete sense. I, I'm not sure what those folks are doing now maybe they've gone back to school to to focus in on something you know instead of like putting some things on the back burner maybe people got to it and may, are making it happen but from the musician side of things it's not like i'm i'm I, first of all as long as music is providing that's the thing i want to be doing not not because of just pure stubbornness or laziness but i truly love playing as much as i ever have you know that's and and i awesome. feel like right now for whatever reason, you know, sometimes you plateau and sometimes, or even digress a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. but, and then other times, I mean, like right now I feel like I'm, I am, I'm like, I'm in an interesting stage where I just feel like I'm playing great. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling super confident and relaxed about it all. I can step into, I don't care who calls, I can step into that situation and feel like I can own it completely and enjoy it completely, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and I've had a few of those over the last couple months where leading up to it, it seemed like, gosh, oh, there's a lot of work to get to this. Like, I have to do a lot in order to prepare for this thing. And then it happens and it was great and fun and easy and not tense and not stressful and yeah. all the things, you know, it's, it's, a, I feel like it's a really good place to be when you think about the big picture of what it is that we do. And like when you're in the spotlight, when, when you've built up to that position, whether it's a session or a gig, it's about enjoying it and not stressing over it. You know what I mean? That's, that's what we do. You know, it's one thing when you have a band and you just got there and you're just so used to the guys you're playing with and that's great and all, mm-hmm. But it's another when you are the hired gun on something and you get into a, like a high profile stress situation. But that's but the whole reason we're doing it is because we love it, right? <laughs> so you're playing with fire a little bit, yeah. You're putting but, yourself in an uncomfortable position, yeah, and and just enjoy it, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I I tell my 16 year old that all the time, who's learning guitar and stuff. I said, you've got to take risks. Yeah. And that's what makes life really interesting and cool. Yeah. And put yourself in uncomfortable uncomfortable positions yeah. to then learn and grow from that. We also had Dave Elich on last uh, week. Yeah. And he was saying for the second time, and he was talking about his favorite players had this air of confidence. Not arrogance, but confidence that that's they bring right. to the table. Just to kind of add to what you're talking about. Yeah. When you come to those high pressure situations and you have the confidence, you have the patience. You have the tools that you've uh, that that has that you've kind of built over time. Yeah, people are like, man, he was he was great to work with. Not only did he play well, but when I asked him to do this or that, he was cool about so it. He didn't he, take it personally when I said, right. "Hey, can you do something different here?" Right. That all adds to the mix. And that comes from maturity and confidence yeah. that you're bringing to the table. Yeah. And also, 
all the other things you've been talking about, like being a dad and being like, you know what? Yeah, I know you're so-and-so, um, but I, you know, that's cool. Yeah. I just can't wait to get home. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can respect it and be happy about it and then and do the thing and love every piece of it and then come home and, and see everybody and see the family. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. completely. I think it's, I think those are all the important parts of the, of the pie. You know, I think it's, um, I don't know that, that, that the, all those pieces need to be there for, for me. Like, I'm not a guy that can like, uh, work as, you know, if I, if there isn't a great session in a, a long time, it, it doesn't really matter. Like it matters to me. Like it needs to, it needs to be good and all that, but the family needs to be good too. The kids need to be good. Mm -hmm, all the, mm -hmm. like for me, all the pieces, I want, I want all the cake. <laughs> you yeah, know right, what right, I mean? Right, right, right. And I don't have a lot of patience for, for not having it. You know, like mm -hmm. if I, if I, I will find it mm -hmm. either which way. And I don't mind if it's the most, you know, musically speaking, it doesn't have to be what is the most popular thing of the moment. Like I don't need to do the thing that is regarded by Music Row as being the it thing for the moment in order to be happy. In fact, a lot of times right now, those it things musically are not, are not so mm -hmm. great, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and musically, it can be a lot more fulfilling to just search for the thing that is, that is great, you know I mean? That, that you enjoy doing, that you feel exactly. like you can bring more to the picture for, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a lot, can, that's a whole nother road to go <laughs> anyway. But yeah. Well, tell me about this session you did in New York, this week-long oh, thing. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, the year before the pandemic hit, I was doing some road work with this with this young lady. She's uh, and and I had not played with her before, but um, I had uh, gone out and did, done sort of a chunk of gigs with her. And the guitar player in that band was a guy named Will Bone, and um, I had not I did not know him before, and he had not met me, but he knew of me, and mm -hmm. we. Come, I come to find out we have a lot of familiar friends in sure. town. He's been here a long time, so blah blah mm -hmm. blah. Ends up he's a great writer, but he and and he only knew me as the kind of drummer that played on this. It was like a pop country kind of gig mm -hmm. thing, and so he, the pandemic hit. He's writing all these great songs with this uh, uh, other great writer in town named Tia Sillers, who's written yeah. huge hits for years. Uh, they're really tight, so they've been they've started this whole new project. And he thought he would go ahead and just send me something to see what I did. And I honestly think not expecting a whole lot. Like he knew I could play, but could I play rock, like real rock stuff? Mm -hmm. And of course, that's my, I mean, I came up doing a lot of that stuff. You yeah. Know? So, yeah, I remember he called me and he was like, hey, man, I'm going to send you this track. I've got a good idea in mind of what I am thinking drum wise on it. Do you want me to tell you or do you want to just play it and we'll talk about it afterwards? Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, let me just take a stab. And then... I'll I'll change directions if I need to. So he sent it to me. I did. I played it. Yeah, I'm watching something with Ashley and TV that night or whatever, and he calls. I'm like, ah, oh, let me take it. Well, let me just see what what he thought about this thing. And he goes, he starts off talking and saying something like, uh, so yeah, I finally was able to check it out, and he says something like, and I could not have thought of anything more. Perfect than what you put on it. He was like, I've actually changed a part of the song based upon what the drums were on this wow, thing because of whatever. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, dude, we played together for however many months. I had no idea you could play like this stuff like it needs to be played. Oh, I was cool. like, oh man, that's awesome. So anyway, that led to him sending me more and more songs. 
And then after the after we started kind of reemerging and stuff, he wanted to actually start a band. And honestly, if ninety nine percent of times you come to me and say I want to start a band, I'd be like, well, great. <laughs> like that's that's time I can't invest right now, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. But with him, it's like, man, this is really cool stuff, and it's not of this town in the sense it's it's nothing it's not rock country it's freaking rock you know yeah. it's really melodic great songs heavy playing really oh, fun cool and so you want to do a band thing and so it ended up they said hey i want to i want to cut some new ones and recut some of the ones we did before but more from this band perspective you know i was helping with the arrangements and the, all the stuff and like hey let's do this here and this here mm-hmm. and blah, blah blah so uh we went up to new york because uh, the guy that had been mixing his stuff that he's also tight with, this guy named John Kaplan, who's out in L.A., originally from New York, comfortable in New York at the studio that he had a room at forever. So we went up there for uh, a few days and cut these tracks New York style, and they're huge, and I can't wait to hear what we did because uh, it's 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 going to be great. It's what's, what's the band? So the band is called uh, One Man Riot. Okay. We'll see, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, we've all been doing this a long time. Nobody in this deal is is new to the picture. You know, we awesome. all understand what the music industry is uh-huh. all about. Uh-huh. Um, but you can't, uh, you got at some point, you got to buy a lottery ticket if you want to have any chance of, of being in the game, you know? And this is a, this is a solid lottery ticket. I feel, I feel really good about something could something cool could happen from this you know who the hell knows and i think part of what we do is you could be so pessimistic about everything that's like listen i mean i'm happy to get session work i can pay the bills things are great blah blah blah. and that's great but i just i like i like all the sides of it i like the idea that there's this little side project thing that could end up being the center project could be the main thing you know Mm -hmm. and i would Mm -hmm. would i not Want to do session work? Of course not. I'll just keep doing session work, you know, as much as all of the course. time because I love of I course. love doing it. Whether it's whether it's the most country or the most rock or the most anything, I love all the session work. Um, I love being a part of this little project because it's very creative on my side, and and it's nice to be a part of something as opposed to just being the hired gun, which I am ninety nine percent of the time. I was going to yeah. say this seems like such a departure from yeah. what you've done. And when do you remember the last time you did something like this? No, (laughs) (laughs) I honestly don't like, I don't know the last time that I was playing in a, in any situation that I was a piece of the whole. I I don't remember when that was almost everything that I've done. I am paid to do that thing. Yes. And, and that is it. You know, when I leave the room, I've left the room, you know? Um, I like that. It is kind of cool. I mean, obviously, in my younger years, there was always one band to another, right? Yeah, for sure. But, the, but you didn't see the big picture back then. Like, I didn't see the big... You know, I was all about, like, cool, we're going to go play this gig. It wasn't, we're going to try and build this business, you know, or try and build this entity, I should say. Not really a business, but this entity, this creative entity that could equal both a personal sort of triumph, if you will, if it actually were to happen and to be a part of this thing on the way up and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great, it, it would be great to have done all the stuff on my own and then also be able to do the stuff within a group, you know, kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of sides to what we do, you know, and it's, I, I right. like, I like all of them. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, and, yeah. and I think there's the, there's the whole being a band member 
that comes with a lot of just messiness. I mean, you hear about people starting bands when they're young, you know, and then we're going to make it, we're going to do all this stuff, to, we're going to get a deal, we're going to go on tour, we're going to do all this. But you also have the dynamic of being young and having to get along with people for the first time sure. in your life and all this stuff. And it sounds like you're talking about like people who've been in the industry for a long time right. and a place in their life where it's just kind of like, we could just kind of have fun with this. That's right. And I think we all have very uh, healthy and realistic expectations. Okay. Like the idea yeah. is, yeah. yes, something is going to happen with this. There's a lot of There's a lot of chemistry within this that... Uh, you know, I would feel like you have to have the industry connections. You have to have the great songs. You have to have the people in the band that aren't talking about what's going to happen once they've made a million dollars. Like, it's not about, it's about, it is 100% about the journey here, you know, and, and, you know, everybody plays the, the right cards at the right times. It could, it could equal something yeah. really great, you know. Who knows? Who knows? But who knows with anybody? You know, at, at the very least, coming in with a with realistic perspectives and saying like, okay, this is you know, let's try to make this happen. Let's kind of do these things. Is there do you, is there any news about like what's coming up as far as like a release of any of these recordings? No. Nope. Nope. Right now, we just got done with these. Uh, I mean, I think we'll go do vocals uh, beginning of the year. Um, we'll. I mean, listen. This is mostly Will's project. I okay. mean, he's he's the center of it, um, and then and then we're kind of the surroundings of it. And it's and that's I wouldn't presume any different. That's completely great. Just to be a part of it as as a as a general, it's great. Sure, you sure, know, sure. having input, having like saying, hey, I, you know, it's one thing. You know, when, when you're on a session, you've got to be very careful not to overimpose yourself on how you feel a song should, the direction of a song where you feel like it should go. Like, obviously I've got opinions all day about, <laughs> about where like, well, you know, it'd make this chorus cool. Or, you know, would do this, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. I love producing uh, my little side gig mm -hmm. uh, as well as being a session player. Obviously it's producing as well. But, um, but this project combines all of those things. I'm, I can be a little bit of a side guy on one side. Yes. I can be a little bit of a producer. I can help arrange the stuff. I can all the things, right? And 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 plus, if I didn't love the stuff, like I can't wait to just get roughs back from what we did last week, so I can throw it in the car and turn it up, you know? Because yeah, yeah, it's gonna yeah. the the drums were maybe the biggest drum sounds I've ever gotten on a oh, session. Wow, I awesome. was just. They were huge. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Was there something about that session? So as we're, I want to transition into talking about some studio stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. So let's take that, for example. Like, what was different about this recording session, drum-wise, recording, uh, mics? Yeah, well, room? you know, first of all, so we were in New York, so I didn't really have any of my stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of, I was a little at the mercy of what the studio had. Uh, we, we recorded this place called Mission Sound, and... The uh, guy Oliver that that runs the place, I mean, owns the place, uh, is the main engineer, is also a drummer. Mm -hmm. So there was plenty of drums there. And I knew that going in. There's lots of different drums there, lots of cymbals, lots of stuff, blah blah. blah. Um, and he was very much into you know making sure that all the drums were tuned per track to the track oh that gosh. we were doing. So there were always, but he was also very hands-on. Like he wanted to do the, the tuning. And quite honestly, I'm 
fine with that. Like I, <laughs> I'm often annoyed by having to tune drums. Like not annoyed, but it's not, it's not the thing that I, I'm not a tech head when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, like yeah. It, if they sound good, they sound good. Do I need to change them for the song? Fine. We'll get like, I have enough pitch to understand where the toms and snare need to be, whatever. But if somebody else wants to do that, great, <laughs> come on in and do it and just tell me when it's time to play. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so that's, and I mean, he would say like, what kind of snare are we thinking for this? And I'm like, I want this kind of thing or like that snare that we used before. I think that may be a little lower, blah, 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 whatever, you know? Uh-huh. And then I would walk away and then come back 10 minutes later and we'd be ready to cut, you know? <laughs> so, Lord, yeah. so that was fine. So, and I don't know what else was different other than like everything because mm. it's, it was just, it, Nashville has a certain way about sessions, which makes it, um, opportune for career session players. Um, it's not always the way that, that you, people want to that? record records. Well, it's very structured. Like the, even we have session times, you know, we, yes. you know, the, the day for a regular session is split up into, into three, three hour segments or four, if you guess, if you're working all day, but you know, and that's very based on the union model of, for a session player. And it makes it so that we can make the most out of any day instead of in most other cities, people will book you for like, Hey, can you do a session on Wednesday? You don't know when on Wednesday. Like you show up at ten, you might get started at noon, and you might not get out till three. And meanwhile, somebody might have wanted you for the afternoon for mm-hmm. another session, and now you can't take advantage of both things. Mm-hmm. Here, if they're going to take up two sessions worth of time, they're going to pay you for two sessions worth of time. So ten mm-hmm. to one and two to five would be mm-hmm. the daytime things, and uh, they have to stay within that structure. And it yeah. helps a session player because um, a if you got called for the afternoon, then you could say to the morning guys, know that you need to be out by one. There's not even, they don't have to ask. If they're booking a 10 and it's only a 10, it's a 10 to one. Yeah. Uh, if they go till two, they're going to pay you an hour overtime. If they go into the next session, they're just going to pay for two sessions, whatever it is. Um, that's great. But there are certain things, I've, I've been producing this young lady recently. She's freaking awesome and it's gotten me kind of fired up about producing again because i just kind of had been out of that world for a while and i like calling when i'm booking the band for it i like booking them on a day rate because i know that i need to pay at least the three sessions worth of time Mm -hmm. but i would rather also not have them it be 4 30 we're in the midst of working on a song, thinking about overtime, thinking about like five, this five o'clock cutoff, what needs to happen, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to have to think about that. I want to call guys and say, hey, you know what? We're just going to have fun today. You're going to get paid well for the day. And that's it. We're not sure how many songs we're going to do. I'm not sure. Yeah. We could be done at four or 4.30. If, that's, if, if we're kind of like hit a flat spot and there's no point, we've gotten good stuff up until then, I'm not going to belabor the, the, the mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we're kicking ass and we end up going till seven I, I just don't want to have to think about it you know yes, from a yes. from a producer standpoint i've already got like the fact i'm going to be playing drums on it and producing it and having to think of like the biggest the biggest struggle for a drummer producer is that the drums still need to be good but i want to be done as quickly as possible so i can get in the control room and be producing and the produce. rest of it mm-hmm. but i can't let anything go on the drums because i will hate it later because <laughs> I'm going to be the one listening to it over and over again, yeah, right. you know? Yeah. So there's that, there's that line of being back there, being behind the drums and producing, still trying to make sure that the drums are exactly what they need to be. And everybody else is doing what they need to be doing as mm-hmm. well. Um, I love doing it, but I don't like the time 
constraint of of what the sessions bring. So I just book a day. Everybody's happy. I'm happy. Great. Yeah. And if you have the money to do that, then for Nashville, for even in this in the structure, almost any player here will welcome that because it's nice. A, you don't have to think about like, okay, well, I'm just getting paid well for the day. Great. Right. Now just hang. It's a right. day of enjoying it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's two sides of the coin. In New York, they don't. I don't think they know any other way. It's just we're going to record, and it's going to be a day's worth or three days worth or whatever it is, and that is just what it is. You know. A few years ago, when I talked to Doug Belote, and yeah. you know he's coming in from New Orleans, and yeah. he's like some of the best players in the world. He goes, but having them come to Nashville would almost be a nightmare. Um, in this, with the structure that Nashville has, and right. it's so different from this town, and it's probably like that most other. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Nashville's really unique. Um, both, I mean, we're the only ones that look at number charts. That's <laughs> We're the only city. Like, New York, I mean, obviously players that have worked down here will know what they are, but other players will come down here look at me like, I don't even understand what, what's going on, you know. And it's to me, it's the easiest form of yeah. chart reading. And yet, when you're used to whatever you're used to, it's foreign, and it is what it is. But it makes the most sense for the most expedited... Mm-hmm. Uh, figuring out of songs, structuring, blah, 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 and go. You know? Changing keys on the fly. Changing change yeah. keys on the fly, like form, quick form changes, yeah, you know, yeah. all the stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, so I, I, there's, I mean, I wouldn't change anything about the, the Nashville way of, of recording. I think, it's, I think it's awesome, and I'm, after so many years of doing it, I'm still, it's still awesome to get into a studio with guys and, and the first take of the first song, you know, within 10 minutes, you've got something that could be the keeper. I mean, yeah. you, you may want to improve on it, but if, if you didn't have the chance to, it could still go on the radio and pretty much everybody would think it was it's amazing. what it was meant to be. You know? It really is amazing. So, and yeah. how quick. Uh, a buddy of mine moved to town. Well, he was here with me when, we, when he just moved oh, to town yeah, yeah. seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I was talking to another friend of mine about him. And I said, hey, my buddy just moved to town. He's a, he's a great writer. He wants to do some producing, maybe some engineering. And he goes, okay, rule one, be fast. Yeah. You have to be fast. Oh, yeah. And he goes, and it's almost to a fault. He says, but that's if you're not fast, people will just move on. Yeah. And you know what? It's not even just, like, you have to be fast and really good. Like, yeah. you have to have yeah. all the stuff. You can't right. You can't just be fast and, oops, you forgot this or done, sure, whatever. Sure, sure. You have to have all the things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a given that the engineer, or I, I, was, I should say an expectation, that the engineer has everything sound exactly what it needs to sound, push, do wherever all the stuff is, and also super fast. Like, I don't want to have to, like, hey, man, just quickly punch me on the bridge. I don't want to wait even a minute. Seems Where's like a the long bridge? Time. Yeah, What's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, markers are in place. I'm expecting whatever. that punch within five to ten seconds, you know? Yeah, because <laughs> they've got to capture the, man, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. true, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and not screw anything up, and don't record over the other thing, and don't do the you know. It's like it's a, it's demanding as hell, I can imagine, but that's what we're used to. Maybe three years ago, I went to do a session, and we got the tracks beforehand, and so I wrote my like drum drummy drum charts mm-hmm. for it, and I walk in, and then they had number charts printed off. It was just three of us in a small studio, and uh, the bass player is very busy in the studio, a lot more than I am. And um, so when they're saying, hey, let's do this, let's go to chorus two, bar three, let's do a push here. And I'm going, where is that? Uh, where is that? Yeah, he yeah, goes, yeah. 
this is why we all need to look at the same chart. And I'm like, oh my God, he's right. Yeah. So if I have that drum chart, I will now either just use the number chart if it's, unless it's something crazy. Yeah. Or I'll put both on the stand and just make sure that when people are making arrangement choices, all these things, I'm looking at. But that was, I'm like, man, I should know better by now. Yeah. But he was totally right. And it's like, Yes, because I need to be on the same page. And yeah. all I'm thinking about right now is this one song. That's right. I'm so used to thinking about the next 12, like 40 songs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, dude, your brain power needs to focus on this one thing. That's it. And so if you can't write that push on bar three in the chorus and chorus two, just remember it. Just know that it's there. That's know right. that it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing about the concentrating or focusing in on the, the the recording part of it is that you are you are focusing on a three minute scenario a four yep. a four minutes at the most kind of scenario and you are what can you bring as a drummer to this that is going to elevate the song move the players where they need to go i mean you're steering the ship recording uh, so live, you, live, it's a different story when you're doing it because you're forcefully, you're playing the gig and you are towing the people with you around the corners of the song. Mm-hmm. The session, everybody's a- attacking that thing together. Everybody's listening to every millisecond that's going by, yeah. catching little bits, referencing you know, in their playing, kind of whether it's the vocal or the a melody line or whatever it is. And I think the... The drummer's job is to really like, okay, we have this song. We're going to build this song. This is where we're going. You know where we're going. You have a chart. You can see. Yeah. And and lead the people through. And when you have little things like pushes, it's and you can decide at the moment, this doesn't seem like a push I'm going to hit because mm. the vocal isn't doing it. They're doing it. I'm just going to, I'm going to, in my mind right now, I'm going to make it a right-hand push so that the guitar players may hit it. I'm just going to play straight through it. Mm-hmm. I, these things happen in the spur a lot of times. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of times I'm in the control room, we're listening to a thing, we're looking at the chart, and somebody, bass player, whoever, will say, so what do you, what do you think you're going to play on this? Sometimes I know, but a lot of times I'll be like, honestly, I, I, I have a couple of ideas, but we need to sit down first, you know, mm-hmm. and, we'll, mm-hmm. and we'll get behind the, I'll get behind the kit, and whatever happens, happens. Yeah, can we and, just, let's and, just do some playing. Yeah, and that, can, and that determines the thing. I don't mm-hmm. want to, most of the time, I don't want to have to tell the bass player, "Well, what, what's your kick drum pattern going to be?" Like, I don't, I don't know. And you're going to hear it, and you're going to play with it, whether it's exactly yeah. the same or not. It's really irrelevant. We're, it's going to come out when it comes out. You know? Sure, sure, sure. And yeah. that's and that's the deal. Yeah. Most anybody, any bass player that I play with regularly, that that would be. That, that would be considered a joke. I mean, <laughs> we would just yeah. laugh about it, like, "Well, what do you think about playing on this?" Yeah, yeah, but. Uh, it's a. It's about. It's about getting down and, and how does it hit you when you first sit down when you first hear the sounds. All the stuff has an effect on what ends up coming out, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many factors in there. I, I had a chance to play a, a couple of days ago, and there was this. It was a stop, and there was a hit on the end of two, and yet mm. a couple of the guys we weren't quite sure like when that was happening. It wasn't on the chart, oh, and I could yeah. just see the deer in the headlight yeah. look on there, and I said, okay. I went back to my big band experience. I'm going to set this up so they know where that hit yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a simple hit 
right on two to hit the and the singer songwriter was like man that was cool and i'm like just making sure everyone knew where that and of two yeah, was you're guiding and it yeah. was there yeah and it, but it added to the thing but i mean it also that i didn't even think i was going to do that it was just like until the moment yeah yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Right, is he gonna remember the guitar players in the room with me and he's looking at me i'm like is he gonna here it is. Yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. You're essentially just showing the way. You're like, you've got your flashlight out. Like, here's the here's the walkway. Let me guide you to the, where mm-hmm. you know, wherever. But it's crazy because not only are you showing everyone, you're also trying to like, where am I going? Oh, yeah. As well. And then I can't imagine you're thinking about adding producing onto that. Right. Oh, my gosh. Right. That's insane. Yeah, it's kind of an all-in kind of thing. And I, I don't, I most definitely, I mean, thankfully, I get to, go afterwards and we then focus on guitars and stuff for, right, for right, a little while exactly. and, and you know whatever else is going on and then i also know as a backup if i leave the studio and i didn't get what i i didn't i come back to my place i'm listening through it and i realize there's a part i'm missing i can always go back to whoever it is and say hey man do you mind can we can i send you this and you can do it like thankfully with the advancement in home recording yeah it's easy to throw around files real quick if i need something else or i can just go over to their place real quick and we can work on something together Mm -hmm. there's always but the but the important thing is that the drums have gone down well because if it's great sounds in a great studio that's that needs to stay consistent Mm -hmm. i can't redo that anywhere else you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah, that's that's the deal, you know, and and, and so I I'm, I'm not I don't feel like when I'm producing a session that I I'm like okay guys let's just take 15 minutes while I listen to everything and make sure I have everything <laughs> I have I get everything that I think I need to get and then I call it when it's time to call it and move on to the next song mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. if I need something else I get something else you know it's okay have you ever produced other drummers on sessions I haven't and I can't wait to do I would yeah. love to record a band. To yeah. be a producer on for a band and yeah. and get to have another drummer play. Um, and there's certain things I've always said. There's certain styles. If it popped up in my mm-hmm. thing, I would not hesitate to call somebody else that would be better at that mm-hmm. thing. Um, that thing just hasn't come up yet. You mm-hmm. know, mostly because I guess I'm drawn to produce artists that are in the realm of what I love. <laughs> so I'm, exactly. yeah, I would right, see sure. myself as the guy for it. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not always the case. You know, right, right. I, I really look forward to, at some point I'll find a, something will come across my radar. That's a band that's looking for a producer and somehow yeah. I, I would love to do that. I think it would be so yeah. much fun. Yeah. A friend of mine, he, he doesn't have any setup at home and he called me, he goes, I might have a track that I need to record drums. And I said, please come over. Mm-hmm. It would be so fun. Dude, I've got, you can use anything of mine. Yeah. So yeah. I would be so fun. Just go in there, do your thing. Let me just play with sounds and, and yeah. do your thing. It didn't, it didn't work out. Like he wasn't, but uh, I was like, man. And there was a time when I, I was just so covetous of, of, being, of being the drummer on, on whatever it is. But it's like, yeah. and I remember running into to Trey Gray like 15 years ago and we ran into each other at a coffee shop and he had this whole entourage with him i was like what are you doing he goes man i'm working on this record i'm producing these guys and he goes i want you to meet so-and-so he's playing drums on the thing i'm like hey nice to meet you and trey you're not playing heck no man this i got this guy he's killing it yeah and my brain just went (laughs) yeah what yeah yeah how are you producing and not saying i'm in control of this yeah and i'm going to use a different drummer right 
Yeah. That was so weird to me. Yeah. But was it was it a band or did he actually hire a drummer for He hired a drummer for oh, yeah. this thing. Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I guess there are certain styles that if something came across that I thought was really cool but out of my... That, that I thought somebody would be better suited for as a drummer, I guess I would go that way. But there is a scenario of like, I, I want, I know what it needs to sound like. I'm cutting one, oh, yeah. one degree of work out of just me playing drums and just having it done, you know, the way, yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah. what for I mean? Sure, for but sure. I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that that would be, I still think it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I don't do a lot of that I, I'm starting to explore more now that the home recording is happening more, I'm spending more time recording, um, is my approach to the snare drum mm. and, um, and recording compared to playing live and the differences. So, for example, volume of cymbals, mm-hmm. how to hit the snare drum depending mm. on the song. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you some of those questions. Uh, the session the other day, that uh, everything like the, they said, we've got the house kit. It was a '68 Ludwig, and they, and I think the drummer worked at this. There was a drummer that worked at the studio as well, and he's this beautiful. I didn't even take any of my snare drums out. You know, I was like, yeah, everything's that's, there. That's cool. great. That's yeah, yeah. great. And the way this song was hitting dead center of the snare drum. With a big fat snare drum and no rim shot, just sounded great. Yeah, actually played traditional. I'm not a traditional player, but just the way it just felt right. Yeah, and and it sounded great. And again, digital recording allowed that snare drum to be a little bit quieter than I would want to hear right in front of the kit. But when going into the control room, the engineer was like, "Yeah." that snare sound that's great and if he wanted to he could boost that signal or whatever right but it made me think i want to ask nick about that yeah yeah it's weird you know i mean i i if it's a rocking tune i like to dig in and play rocking you know but i have learned that sometimes listen so last week in new york i was there was a a little bit of a, a back and forth about like uh, if I I can hit the snare hard and and even with the rim shot, but there's a degree where it's taking it's choking the snare a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you won't get that tone out of it. You have to know where the where the line is. You know you mm-hmm. can hit it hard too hard and makes it not speak as well. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so there's a but at the same time from a performance. S- standpoint i need to be able to dig into some degree to play it like it needs to be played Mm -hmm. so there's Mm -hmm. a it's tough to find the like okay rock rock (laughs) but don't over rock (laughs) right yeah and um so i i had to really think about that that was a and i mean jesus how many years have been doing sessions but this particular project was is a pretty heavy hitting project yeah and so i had to really think about that and when i was younger doing some 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 of these whatever country big rock country things or whatever for some reason i just i never really thought about it and it's not like the engineer is necessarily going to say anything if they don't know about it or they're not paying as much attention these guys really were thinking about that and and i appreciate that and it also made it challenging for me but in a good way you know well they're probably going to use the snare sound oh yeah they're not gonna they're not gonna right. sound replace anything on this yes I don't exactly think, right? they were they were going for going yeah. for the yeah. full band scenario you mm-hmm. know 
Um, and then I did a session, uh, I don't know how long, some amount of time ago, where I had, it was a pretty rocking tune. I was playing pretty, pretty heavily. And the producer asked me to do exactly what I was doing, but play everything, like play the center of the snare, which I'm fine with doing when it's the right thing to do, but it's not the thing I go for all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I do, I do tend to hit the rim to some degree. Um, and, um, and, and, and that's just how I play. Um, but uh, obviously the uh, a vibe tune or whatever mm -hmm. that kind of deep thick snare I'll I'll play dead center as well and that's mm -hmm. and that's fine. But so anyway, this was a, a rocking tune and he and he asked me like, hey, let's try that same thing. I just I'm just kind of curious as an experiment, see how the drums speak when we do it this way. And I did, and I was actually pretty impressed. I was like, wow, that's really cool. So remind me again, what what did he ask you to do? So it was it was about playing this rocking tune a lot more softly like at half the volume essentially oh, and yeah. and just and hit the snare dead center and mm -hmm. and everything even the cymbals like just don't play them loud uh -huh. just play it as if as if i was playing like a an eagle's tune <laughs> yeah. like a yeah. you know uh very mid very mid all the way around uh -huh. which was contrary to everything i was feeling by listening to it yeah. but i just did it and then came into the control room and let's do it i was like hmm okay it's it's not always getting the feel across that I would want, but sound-wise, I can kind of see yeah. the benefit of doing that. Yeah. You know, so there's, you just got to weigh the things. Yeah. I'm very, I can be pretty hard-headed about stuff like that because there's a little bit of like, man, this is the emotion. This is about getting the emotion out on this track, and like, if I, if it's a rocking track, there's no way of, of rocking lightly. You know, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And yet sometimes there's just, you just got to find the approach that's going to work best for the thing. But yeah. You're getting at the core of kind of what I'm trying to explore here yeah. is that, uh, that's a lyric, isn't it? No, it's good. Uh, <laughs> it is how we approach the instrument in the studio, knowing what technology can do to it and how to make that available to the technology. You know, yeah. with Joe Gilder a couple weeks ago, we talked about getting it right at the source, getting the mic placement right, getting oh, yeah. attacking the drums in the right way, not overplaying well, the cymbals. the drums sound themselves. I mean, it's got to, it's got to sound good going in. Otherwise, exactly. it's just, it's, it's yeah. work to try and come up with a not real sound yeah. at the yeah. on the back end you know so case in point like it, it, like i want this to be high energy i want this to be rocking but it's like if you're overplaying the cymbals or you're choking the snare drum then none of that stuff matters right i think i think the i think there's a certain approach as a player where you just if you just tap into trying to be as musical as possible in the scenario where you can still yeah. rock yeah i can still rim shot the snare because that's how i play the snare I, it's not like i'm it's not super cracky on the rim, but it is there every time. It's just the mm -hmm. way that I play, you know. And the ghost notes are obviously just dead center. The the accented hits are flat down, flat down the middle, I guess, to some degree. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the most comfortable way for me to play if it's a fairly heavy hitting or or yeah. me medium hitting song or whatever. Um, hitting the cymbals, yeah. I mean, I don't. Some, I don't have them flat. I have them a little tilted when I tend to hit them with the stick. I'm hitting them from the – I'm not hitting them flat on the top. They're, they're, I'm hitting them at the side where they're not going to – you're not going to get that – stick. You're not going to hear the stick on it so much. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's just – I mean, but that's just how I play. I don't, I don't think I ever had to think about that as much. as and I, and I get hitting the cymbals too hard. 
again, this was a lesson last week. These were very big, heavy hitting songs. Some of these tunes we did quite a few takes on. I was freaking sweating. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there. You know? <laughs> um, and part of it is I was probably overworking just a little bit because I, because I honestly, I play with my heart on these things. So when I hit, I hit as the song is hitting, you know, and sometimes I can be a little too hard. And I have to really think about pulling back yeah. 99% of stuff I play here. Even the rock and stuff isn't on the same. It's not, uh, you can, I can rock and it's still at the three quarter of yeah. full hitting, you know yeah. what I mean? Which is perfectly good for everything here. I just had to really think about with an actual really hard rocking project yeah, to like yeah. not, be full bore all the time. You know? Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. that's really fascinating, man. Yeah. Recording here at home. I've had this discussion with different different players. What you're sending to the clients. Yeah. How much is raw? What are you doing? What are you sending when you send a um snare track yeah bottom snare track i mean are you adding anything to that through not much so i record through the apollo and so i do have uh, some amount of my template set up for my session for my drums there's you know i'm running the kick drum through apis and i'm running i actually the toms are running through the my, i have two um what are they five twelve b api like actual hot what are they? Hardware, actual hardware, not, <laughs> not software. Outboard gear. Outboard gear, yeah, yeah. that the Toms are running through. Um, but, you know, the, the plugins on the Apollo are so great, and I, and I have them mildly EQ'd, but not, but not very much mm. at all, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and when I send the track, so they, rec they record down that way. So, so you've got uh, preamp. Mm -hmm. the flavor of the preamp and a that's EQ. almost it and, and sometimes an eq like i don't even okay i don't even I'm, i can't remember right now and i don't have it pulled up but um it's uh it's i'm sending them pretty flat tracks for yeah. the most part okay. you know and it's just about best miking i can get how i feel you know i, I have these aventone ribbon mics and also the aventone tube mics and i go back and forth with having tube mics as room mics and the ribbon mics as overheads or the other okay, way around yeah, right yeah. now it's the other way around but um and then you know just the, the mics on the kit that i feel like are kind of in the best position they can be and some of these mics i've had for freaking 10 plus years and i just they work so i'm not going to go searching through the market for ones that could be better may i they sound great to me and the people i send the drum sounds to Right. Seem to like it and everything's good, you know. I right. kind of like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not overly a tech head. I, I do what I need to do to make sure that they're punchy and that they sound good. Um, because uh, most people aren't going to come back and say, hey, man, do you have a, they're not going to come back and ask for something different in the sound. If it's not the right sound, they're probably going to call somebody else because they, most people are going to assume, well, that's the sound that I'm getting from my studio and I want a different sound. So I've got to make sure that what I'm sending them is the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and so far so good. Yeah. No, that's so, it's such a great point, especially just there's so many boutique microphones and okay. snare drums and we're getting constantly bombarded with the latest thing and feeling this pressure to be like upgrading this and upgrading that. Yeah. And like, man, where do we just draw the line? And, and people are like, dude, they've got a deal on plugins. You should jump on this now and get yeah. this and get that. And I'm like, dude, I'm 
just trying to figure out how to use what I own now. Right. And know. I think it's what's important, like how you are as a as a player mm, and yep. what kind of person you are. Like there's, there's a zillion things out there, but what do you want to use for you? You know, like there's... Right. And, and if somebody showed me some cool plugin for something that resonated with me, yeah. I would go ahead and spend and the money was, on it and I would use it. You and know? you producing is, is probably opening up a world of... Of For gear sure. that is going to be necessary to play that. Well, yeah. I mean, I like before I send it to somebody to mix. I like having a good, a good rough mix. So that whoever's mixing it knows what I'm going for. So we're not starting from scratch, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be, I want them to be able to listen to what I have and then just say, okay, do your thing with this template essentially the mm-hmm. sound template you know mm-hmm. uh, obviously they're going to replace my plugins with the plugins they like but they know what the vibe is that they're going for you know do you know jeff brown Remember i do jeff brown? Yeah, yeah. yeah so he uh he said something to me recently and it just bears worth it's worth repeating but he said that when he sends tracks he's got you know each individual stem or whatever track mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it could be 10 12 different parts that yeah. the person can take and throw in their doll but he also in addition to that, sends them a mix of his just his drums, oh, yeah. and then he goes, "Just listen to this as a reference. This is as the drummer how I'm hearing the balance between the overheads and the close mics." And then he'll send a mix of the drums with the guide track that he was given, and where where he sees the drums. That's balance. interesting. Yeah, just to give the person because I said, "Man, like I'll do these. I'll send the stems out." And I'll get it back, and it's like all of a sudden, the shaker's like really loud, mm. and I'm going, "Where did that come from?" Or yeah, you know, it's like how did it just just to kind of like because you're you're getting hired for to play to record, but also to compose, yeah, and to create, yeah, yeah. And so we're playing this instrument, and it's like I'm working hard to kind of balance this stuff out. You can take these tracks and do whatever you want with them right but if you really want my opinion maybe it's just kind of a slight passive aggressive way of saying this is how these drums should be mixed that's how they sound for me what are you gonna do with them yeah yeah Yeah, no do what you will (laughs) yeah yeah. they're yours you've paid me for them they're your yours you own them yeah but um Man, I'd like it to sound good. So it's a I good idea to to do that and do within. I think a lot of times, I mean, you would hope folks are as comfortable with whatever uh, operating system they're using. I mean, whatever music program they're using, but uh, to be able to put the tracks in and be like and and do what they want. Like if they want the the bottom snare to be more and yeah. they want to have the overheads be super low or what, that's what they're going to do, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Hopefully it's because they that's what they're purposefully doing and yeah. not because they just have it up there in something weird. So it is true to send a little reference of like this is what this was how it was sounding to me. This was what influenced these parts for mm-hmm. me, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Especially when there's a lot. I just did a a track for this awesome artist um who who had mentioned wanting feeling like an African kind of thing, but the song when I heard it obviously so I didn't know if it was going to be mostly percussion or, and you know, a lot of times artists will say, so kind Nick of, Buda, he's from South Africa. Yeah. So, so I'm going to call him for this guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is true. You are from South I Africa. Am. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I didn't know if it was going to be a mostly percussion track or whatever, but then I heard it and I was like, Oh no, I think it would be cool to have a Tom 
kind of loop thing going through it, and then I'll play drums over the top of it because it still needs to have a groove, a backbeat, mm -hmm. but it does also need to have this tom thing, and I don't think they should be the same part. I feel like they should be independent things. Mm -hmm. So I did a mallet thing with the toms, not having any kick drum in it, I don't think. Um, and then I did the kit. So, so there was quite a few tracks because with the toms, you've got like the tom close mics and I did the overheads and that was it. I saw those four tracks with toms and then obviously then there's the rest of the kit and then I added percussion. I did a couple tambourine things and a yeah. few shaker things or whatever. So now you're talking all kinds of things. I didn't do that, which, which was showing my perspective of how it would all sit. I just sent it and I hope that it comes out great. <laughs> but it's true. A smart thing in that scenario would have been to say, okay, yeah, let me send you how I'm hearing all of it and how it's all sitting to me. And then obviously how, whatever you're going to do is what you're going to do. I love yeah. doing the overdub thing on, with yeah. toms and, yeah. you know, beyond percussion. It's, yeah. it's just, you're just piecing the parts together and, yeah. you know, not worrying about and and you could choose to use mallets or something different right. or whatever yeah that's so well, fun and what was interesting in this case too is that she's trying to build this record on starting with tracks that are acoustics and all the vocals um because she's got some backup singers and they're great and she's an incredibly strong singer and mm. the harmonies are always freaking mind-blowing so great. she likes the idea of creating these tunes starting with the acoustic and the heart and the vocals and all the vocals the harmonies and everything mm -hmm. and then have building it with the with the players after that mm -hmm. so i'm cutting all these drum tracks to acoustic tracks and all these harmonies and stuff mm -hmm. uh yeah it was it was interesting it was That's cool awesome. it was cool to, i'm really curious to see what how it kind of builds from there but yeah yeah. It, you know, my job is mostly done once I've gotten the email back from somebody saying, yeah, that's awesome. Everything's great. You know, mm -hmm. it's not when I'm done sending the tracks off. I always wait for that. Like, hey, just let me know if, if you need anything else. But, but I just redid a track this morning for some folks that I did track for like a, a long time ago or I don't know, a month ago, let's say. And I... And they were completely happy with it at the time. Everything was great. And then the song has come around, blah, blah, blah. And they asked if I could do another version of it with some changes in it. Um, that's fine. As long as, you know, the, the thing, it's not like I want to go back and forth freaking 10 times with a tune or whatever. I, I hope that we can narrow it down faster than mm -hmm. that. But people need to be happy, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and sometimes I take complete guesses because it's an acoustic vocal. And, and if they haven't given me a whole lot of info, mm. there's lots of parts where it's like, well, this could go three different ways. I'm right. going to pick one. And I'm not going to pick two. I'm going to pick one, and I'm going to send it back to them. And if they want something different, they'll let me know. Mm -hmm. And I, thankfully, luckily, a lot of the time, it's great. Everything's great, great, great. You know? Or it influences their writing. Based yeah. on what you did. Oh, yeah, that's right, with the Will thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, that's, you just, I think that's a little bit of that confidence, too. You know, you mm -hmm. kind of go like, well, this is how I would like to hear it go. So, I'm going to go that way because that's got to count for something if they're mm -hmm. wanting me to play on their track, yeah. <laughs> especially if they continue to want me to play yeah. on their tracks. <laughs> and we've discussed this before on the podcast where people are like, hey, do you want me to do this? And at some point, people are like, dude, I, it's, I've hired you to play drums. Yeah. Just do it. They don't really know drums a lot of times. Yeah. A lot of times people are like, if it's, as long as it sounds good with the song, I don't know what the detail is about it, but yeah, just do it. Yeah, I don't know what it is, what you did, <laughs> yeah, but it sounds, yeah. that's great. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> um, you had our good friend Isaac Sanchez 
oh, visit yeah. here. And um, yeah, that was right. so cool of you to, to take some time for somebody that you didn't know. Yeah. And Isaac is super nice guy. Such a great dude. Yeah, and yeah. Um, so I, I guess uh, I've gotten to know him through the podcast and okay. just value his friendship. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm so glad that you guys got a chance to meet and hang and stuff like that. Yeah. And he happened to come on a day that I was doing because I told him, I was like, well, I mean, yeah, you can come over. Do you want to? Do maybe I'll pick a song that I need to do and we'll kind of go through the process. That could be a cool way yeah. to be able to see because I don't know. Otherwise, we're just yapping about how drums sound, you know? Yeah. So that's my job. Right. That's what we <laughs> talked about. That's right. <laughs> so, but thankfully, the song I did that day was a super cool song that has actually since come out. And, um, and so he got to see kind of how it kind of goes down. But I was also really into the, the, the song, which makes it a lot. I'm not going to say I don't, uh, I'll always try and bring the best to any kind of song I do, but when it's a cool song, you know, it just brings, you bring it more to the table when there's more to mm -hmm. bring, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that was fun. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. Yeah, no, yeah. that was, I mean, he puts himself out there to kind of like, and it's such a great example of like, man, do you want to learn this? Then then go, go find some people that you can talk to and or put yourself in a position where you can learn and grow. And it was just, I'm glad, glad yeah. you guys connected. Yeah. Last question about um, studio stuff. Is there anything about recording either at home or in other studios that people would be surprised to know? Um, I mean, I'm sure. Let me just think of what that would be. Um, you know, <laughs> something that maybe, maybe because you're, you're, you're so involved in it, like maybe you forget, like, this is a thing that if somebody just came in, they would be surprised to know yeah. that I'm expected to do this. I'm expected oh, to yeah. know this. Yeah. I think, you know, um, there is a certain level of the approach to music and the things that happen and the openness to ideas in a session that I think, you know, it's, it's easy to come in and hear something and say, I think this is the best, the, this is what needs to happen on the song and have an idea that you think is just mind blowing. Like, Oh man, this bridge is going to take off as soon as I do this thing only to realize once you get into it and do it that, Oh wait, that actually didn't sound as good. Or the other way around, somebody else will say, Hey, uh, here's what I'm hearing on this thing. And, and, my first opinion is like, no, no, <laughs> there's no ways that's going to sound good. I would never play that. That's ridiculous. And then I, fine, I'll try it. And it's, oh, actually, it's actually kind of cool. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things is, first of all, egos need to be put aside when you're in a session mm -hmm. because it's just not about me. I'm working for somebody else here and I'm using everything I know from my experience, uh, both doing sessions and playing drums to bring the best product to the person I'm working for, mm -hmm. which is the artist, the producer, mm -hmm. whatever on that side. So I could have every ideal about what I'm bringing to the table and the best way to do it and be told by somebody who I may not think knows the best. Mm -hmm. may not have had a good idea to this point all day, <laughs> but you still got to try it and say, okay, let's, let's see what it is. You know, um, 
I think that's a big thing. I think I don't think a lot of people think about that, um, and I think it's very important for the creative process, particularly if you're actually working on a record. It's one thing if you're doing songs like you know five or six in a session or whatever, and just kind of flying through them. Then then it's almost like first idea. First idea that works is the best idea. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. right, um, right. And and I, actually, not even to put down those ideas because I just did a session yesterday where. We were doing a, it's, it's almost like how many songs can we get done in the shortest amount of time, you know? Um, but that doesn't mean that those parts are bad. Sometimes those are those come out to be great because your first instinct can be exactly. can sometimes be the best instinct for yeah. the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just the only problem with that is if there is a song that needs a little more care, it doesn't always get the care that it needs, you know? But but Nashville players are. By their own breed at, at being able to come up with great parts very that's, quickly that's thing, and man, set yeah. them in there and make them all work perfectly because everybody's listening to everybody else all the time and it all it comes together uh, impressively quickly you know um so yeah you know i think i think not having an ego and and like we were just talking about like hitting the drums in a way that is musical being subtle making it work with the vocal Simple things that you would think like, well, yeah, but don't people do that? People don't always do that. Drummers yeah. don't always listen to the things that should be leading the song. We lead the song as far as with, we lead the groove with the band. We're pulling the train, but in the direction of the vocalist, <laughs> you know, that's where, that's the, that's where we're headed, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's always going to be a melody line that we are paying attention to as well and everybody else, blah, blah, blah. But I think that, that the the subtle thing is is always being within the bubble of the song, never getting too close and 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 potentially popping it, making it feel funny, doing something that you think is going to be cool, but it actually like it puts a little hiccup in the groove or whatever it mm -hmm. is, you know. So. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I'm sure there's tons of other stuff that. No, no, that no, it's seems, really great. It seems odd in sessions that I that I've gotten completely used to, but yeah. Well, one of the points you, you one of the things you, you you mentioned was kind of thinking, oh, I've got an idea for this, and then you go in and you play it, and like, oh, that's not working, like yeah. I thought it would. Oh and, God, I could think about the whole song coming up on the man getting into the last chorus. I'm going to do this thing. I'm not going to say anything because once they hear it, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And getting there and be like, oh man, that did not work as I thought it was going to. <laughs> well, I mean, know? for a while there, I was. I was thinking, okay, I don't have a whole lot of time to track this song today. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write on my chart. I'm going to make notes, and I'm going to write out a couple of fills that I think is going to work. So then I'm just going to read it down. Oh I'm yeah. Gonna re, I'm going to write it out note for note, and it's going to. And I'm like, yeah, that's going to work. And then I go in there like that doesn't work at all. Yeah, you almost have to be able to flush it out um, for those kind of tunes in order to see what works. That's so sort of the reason why you can't really talk about it too much before you sit down. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to play it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and a lot of these tunes like, like, uh, for like the session, like yesterday where you're really doing a whole bunch of tunes, it's, I'm pretty much going for one take on every song. If I have to re uh, fix a section fine or whatever, but I'm really trying to have all the best ideas come out at one time, mm -hmm. but I don't know that I can really talk about it before I sit down as to what it is that is going to be. But as I sit down, I'm really thinking about what I'm playing, what's coming up, where it needs to go, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And that's, uh, I, you know, it's a nice challenge. It's cool to do that every once in a while. Sometimes it's nice to take a little more time to, you know, really develop parts. There was a, a, a band leader said, hey, did you, did you get my email for the song? Yeah, it was just, it was just the chart. Yeah, I got, I got the chart. Did you get the audio? No, and the 
songwriter was playing it a little bit, going over it in the in the piano room. And he goes, "Oh, oh man, let me let me send." I said, "No, no, 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 don't," because it was a fully produced track uh, that they were redoing. Oh, uh, right. I said, "I said yeah. if you if you're okay, I'd rather not listen to it. The whole thing, right? They want something new. They want something different. That's right. You don't and want to get pinned in. I yeah, don't want yeah. to get demo fever. Or yeah, whatever. that's right. Right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Unless there's something that's like they they want you to cop a certain vibe. In which case, I only want to hear a little bit. Don't don't. Don't get me thinking that way. I am the Ron Burgundy of demos, man. I will anything on the chart. I will read. I will (laughs) play the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fuck you, San Diego. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about when I first reached out to you um, um, a couple months ago was some influence. But I feel like there's so much of this other stuff that we've gotten into that I, I find so valuable yeah, and I think so valuable to our listeners. So I, I don't want to take any more of your time. I w- two, a couple of things that I, I thought about one of, one of it was your post about this Carlos Vega Phil. And I'm like, man, we need to get back together and talk. Cause yeah. I want to talk about some of these influences that kind of influence your approach. And, and it's not one thing that we really talk a lot about, on the podcast. It just seems like a really low hanging fruit thing, you know, and we did that early on, you know, tell me about your history, tell me about your influences. But I feel like it was kind of important to maybe talk about maybe some desert Island thing. So maybe just a minute or two we talked about, I, I, I texted you, you know, Steve Gadd, Carlos mm-hmm. Vega, mm-hmm. some different people that I've been listening to a lot. Some people that are studio veterans that we all go to whether it's you know Picaro or jr or whoever yeah. that aren't always on the radar of young players or new players yeah, i should say today. yeah yeah sure yeah um so without taking any too much of your time and going yeah. down a big rabbit hole could you speak to any of that maybe a record a song a player or something like that absolutely well i mean those two have always been when I, I I've always had a top five of my drummers. You know? And I should say that I ran into you at the James Taylor concert about five years ago, four oh, years yeah. ago. Gad was playing. Yeah, I saw you in the hallway, and you didn't say anything to me. We just came up, and you just gave me a big hug. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like we were just feeling the. Yeah. And I had these seats where I could see Gad right yeah. there. It was yeah. amazing. Sorry, I got to meet him that night that was, uh, awesome. after the gig, and uh, that was the first time I've I've since met him a few times since then. But that was the first time, and it was, uh, yeah. My wife was like, uh, we were backstage, and she was like, "He's right there. Why don't you just go say hi?" I was like, "I can't just go." Freaking Steve Gadd, I can't just go up to him and say hi. Like, and he was obviously there was other drummers in town that had gotten back backstage, and they were all kind of, you know, mm-hmm. mooching their way up there or whatever. And thankfully, one of the guys that work at Drum Paradise that do my cartage, he was over there, and they do whenever Gad's in town, he's got mm-hmm. a kid over there that they set up for him or whatever. So he introduced me to Gad as like at Drum Paradise and blah blah blah, and so that set up the conversation, yes. and I had a, a solid five to ten minute conversation with him amongst a swarming room of people all like uh, all the people around us were trying to talk to him and he didn't break our conversation Mm. for that whole time he was we were talking and that was it and uh he is the nicest dude and you know sometimes those guys that you look up to that much 
you finally get to meet them and it's like that sucks that they weren't more personable or weren't more mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was completely personable like and he had I, I ended up seeing him in la about a half a year later than that or something like that playing with his band which was unbelievable and i went up afterwards and you know it's always like i don't want to be that guy i was like Hey, Steve, we met at blah, 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 <laughs> you know, but I did kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, actually we met and at, uh, after the James Taylor concert and he was like, Nick, right. And he completely uh-huh. remembered who I was completely remembered the, what, and I was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So yeah, he, to me is, is about as superstar drummer as anybody I can imagine because there isn't anybody else that I can think of where within, you know, two bars of a tune you can tell it's steve gap playing drums and it could be somebody that you've never heard before and has no relevance as an artist whatsoever if he's playing on it you can tell it's him and as an as an coming from an artist perspective playing music that's it like having your own signature in your feel or the things that you add to a song is everything to me i mean i i I one thing that's sort of frustrating about a lot of popular music these days is the creativity and the personality and the signature is often the last thing they want from an artist or from a musician, you know? They want the musician to just fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. make play the part. It's going to get freaking <laughs> gritted and sound replacement whatever. Um and that to me is the opposite of what it is that we do. We're not just providing this semi-machine style product. Mm-hmm. We're providing a, a love of what we do to whatever the project is. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the hope anyway. That was the dream. That was, the, that was what I was buying into when I first decided I wanted to be a, a recording drummer. I mean, live you do it because it's live and that's kind of what you're bringing for the most part unless the artist is making you learn every piece of what was on the record, which is a little bit of a frustrating thing too. But, but, but the, the, the recording process is what the record becomes. That is how the end product ends up being. So why shouldn't it be your personality on it that makes it, that helps make it cool, you know, that yeah. helps being a part of the chemistry. Those, those Taylor records from the early days the, 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 that I was lucky enough to be a part of, we got to do that a little bit. There was personality on there because... The Taylor Swift records. The Taylor Swift records. Particularly, mm-hmm. yeah. um, the first one was the first one. We were all green and young and didn't know what the hell we were doing and blah, 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 whatever. But once we did the second and third of her records and stuff, before it started getting a little... Like she ended up going out to LA and whatever, all that stuff. But there was a little period in there where the records were really huge and we really got to play what we love to mm-hmm. play. And our personalities came through. Yeah. Why can't that just be the case all the time on big records out of here? Mm-hmm. It just isn't. I, I challenge most people to identify who the players are on pick the top five songs in country music right now and tell me who's oh. playing drums or playing guitar on them mm-hmm. or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, Guitar may be a little more identifiable sometimes, but, mm-hmm. but not, not necessarily. Anyway. Because so it's, get, Rob, it's, it's Rob McNally on it. Well, Rob's on everything, so it's probably Rob, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's the that's what I love about Gad. He's so, uh, and not only that, but he's been blowing minds for for decades. Yes. Decades. So one of the Desert album records would be um, the self-titled Ricky Lee Jones record, or mm. magazine for that matter, mm. um, another one. Um, both have Gad on them. 
both are mind-blowing in that they weren't cutting to a click. They weren't... Yeah. There yeah, wasn't, yeah. wasn't yeah. anything in that session other than them probably spending a long time recording those tunes. But you listen to that the, the songs are not easy. They're not... Uh, sticking to like well this is pretty typical and whatever it's freaking badass and all the parts on them are badass and the sounds are great and everything about it is it is great um carlos vega is another one i just think he's just such a he's such an understated player that brings that can i mean he can blow chops like anybody's business you hear him on some fusion stuff and it's he's unbelievable and yet you hear him on james taylor stuff and it's the most musical um sensitive subtle groove drumming you know i just think he's just he was just unbelievable and so often not given the credit he deserved you know like or i should say the he should should be much more of a familiar name um you know, I gotta say, one of those desert album records, and I don't often quote, not quote, but state this guy as one of my favorites, but Abe Laboreal Jr. is, there's a Jonathan Brook record <laughs> called Plum. I know you were gonna bring that up. And um, I saw your post with Jonathan. Yeah, I saw her the other night. Yeah, yeah. And she's, she may be my one of, she's one of the very few, few artists that deserve to be on that absolute pedestal, where it's like you are above most in your. Mm-hmm in your absolute ability all around the spec, like mm-hmm. melodic, rhythmic, all the, st- I mean, she's incredible. And that record has Abe Jr. on it, and it's just badass. His playing on it is just... It's like 20 or something like it's, that? Uh, yeah, it's such young. a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think Abe's just a little older than I. I think we're... Cl- no, Abe and I are the same age. Oh, you yeah, are? Yeah, he's 50. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. just a little older than I am. Yeah, yeah. And... He, which is freaking crazy yeah. that he at that age he's done the 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 spread of work that he's done yeah. and then been with McCartney for I know I know however many years so great <laughs> it's insane so great. but he is I mean he is he is a joyful player to listen to and his ideas are coming from such a musical place and the drum sounds on that record. I think everybody needs to listen to that record mm-hmm. to understand both how drums can speak on a recording because they're huge, mm-hmm. and they but he's playing them so uh, sensitively and sort of carefully carving his way groove wise through these things because you've got this very emotional and focused singer that he's playing behind. And every sound on that record is absolutely huge, and yet nothing overtakes anything else. There's mm-hmm. so much space in it. It's, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I know that record backwards and forwards, every, every note of it, and, uh, and I can still listen to it and be like, ah, oh, so good. <laughs> every heavy player in Columbus, where yeah. I grew up, yeah. just worshipped that record. And every time she came to town, yeah. it was almost to the point where I was like, okay, I get it, yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But, you know, that was just the, the stubborn, right. young part of me that's I've like... I've heard it already. Yeah, yeah you yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get... But, like, every, like, heavy player that I wanted to sound like, yeah. you know, every city has that. You, yeah. have your, you, have, you have your players that you're just like... Man, these guys—they're—they're they're everything. Yeah, they're, they're the best. And 
but they just could not get enough of that record and her. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And all that stuff. Con- and, and, and young people that have come, you know, other players further down the road and other generation that learn from these older players talk about that record. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was it's special, so funny. I, I always, so when I think record. of that, I would just think of Columbus. Cause yeah, that that's was the funny. thing. And I never really thought much about it after that. Like and then you come that, to Nashville yeah. and I'm trying to digest everything that Nashville has and, 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 you know, the players that I didn't know about before. And so you're like the first person to bring that record up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Nashville's got a different take on a lot of things and it's not, yeah. it's not bad or anything, but there's just, there's certain, like I came from playing in the, in the sort of the jam band scene before I'd moved back here in mm-hmm. 2003 or whatever, um, with this guy, Colonel Bruce Hampton and, yeah. and, and based out of Atlanta, which is where I was. And, and that scene has its whole, uh, this galaxy of players, yeah. you know, whom are mostly absolute badasses. I mean, mm-hmm. Derek Trucks comes out of that scene, you mm-hmm. know, O'Teal, uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Herring, who, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy, I was around a fair amount when I was playing with Colonel Bruce, and he's freaking mind blowing. Like, he's playing, and you feel like it's just going to explode because it's so great. And then I came here, and I was doing some gigs, and I've met some really crazy good guitar players, and I'd be like, man, do you, you've heard Jimmy Herring, right? And they would never have heard of him. I'm mm. like, how is that possible? Like, yeah. you know, but it's just two different worlds, and yeah. and that's the thing. And I think that the the I think the Jonathan world blends in with Nashville because she's a, obviously a great songwriter, mm. and so, and she mm. I know she comes here often and does mm. like the camp the songwriting camps yeah. and and all that. But uh, a lot of the players here don't know about her, and it's and that's and that's what's surprising to me because as a player, she's exceptional. She's incredible. Mm. As uh, her her pocket sense is insane you know i could mm-hmm. think like oh she's she hits a weird rhythm i'm like oh, i wonder if she did that on purpose and then you realize afterwards oh that's she's just old that's just her just grooving you know it's unbelievable yeah so anyway that's awesome man i i need to revisit that i'm just been going down these rabbit holes with 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 music i you know with lots of new music and old music i hadn't heard or haven't heard in a long time and yeah listening with fresh ears so it gives me lots of ideas um for sure so the last thing i just want to say is when i thought about starting this podcast um my buddy mike and i were were gonna just sit down and and we hadn't even come up with a name for it yet so seven over seven years ago in December. So, um, you know, exactly seven years ago, we were at a Starbucks and I'm like, I'm starting to make a list of everybody that I know that I yeah. want to have on here. Yeah. And you're like one of the first guys on that list, if not the first person wow. on that list. That's awesome. And it gave me the confidence to say, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to have good content right out of the gate because I've got some people that I consider friends yeah. that, um, that have amazing career talented players that have a lot to talk about and and helpful for listeners to me if there's two people listening if there's 10 people listening yeah now after seven years it's grown my co-host has helped me grow we're just like in this whole new phase as of the last seven months with drum click oh wow we've got so many things but I just feel like it's really apropos just to, just to thank you. You've been kind of a big part of, of getting us off and running yeah. strongly. So it's like, man, time to circle back yeah. and introduce my new, well, hopefully newer listeners yeah. 
if they're not even going back to episode one or two or three or four, but that's like they just started a year ago. Right. Like, oh, yeah, we know Working Drummer. It's like, no, no. You got to know, Nick. <laughs> that's awesome. So well, I, I just can't thank you enough for, oh, that's for awesome. doing this again. And, you know. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I've obviously, I've known you forever, and I love that this has gotten its legs and is yeah. freaking one of the, the things out there that, yeah. that, I mean, I know plenty of people that, that talk about listening to this podcast. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I would have never thought it would last this long. Or, yeah. And it's uh, 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 honestly, it's just kind of got legs that Zach and I just, we show up to work and do our part and then yeah. somehow it just keeps going <laughs> well you know i think the love the the awesome thing about it is you when you have a when you can come and interview drummers and it's not they're not just doing a a podcast they're talking to somebody that they know they're it's a relaxing it's not like a okay well let me tell you about what i've you know there's a it's a conversation more than it is yeah. a a fact-finding mission <laughs> or whatever you know and yeah yeah and, i mean i Hopefully. I, we can we could probably spend another two hours talking and just yap about shit. And exactly. uh, I like the fact that it can be that comfortable. And yet, there's enough. Uh, thankfully, there's enough interesting information to keep people wanting to come back and keep listening. You know, I mean, I yeah. think I think it's awesome that these things exist. I mean, when we were coming up, we didn't have these this kind of resource to be able to Mm-mm. find Mm-mm. out about right. whatever minutia that. <laughs> that would never normally come up in an interview or something, you know. But but it's but it's but early on, it's it's guys like you and 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 like Greg Loman uh, and and different players that I've known for years that helped me find my voice. Oh yeah. Where Mike was saying, I like what you're doing because it's very relaxed. It's conversation. I'm like, but I know these guys. Right. So then, as it grew. And I started to be able to interview some recognizable names sure. that we, like you said, I don't want to go up to talk to Steve Gadd. It's yeah. Steve Gadd. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I've had a chance to 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 speak to to people like Steve Smith and oh, yeah, and awesome. Peter Erskine and um, um, I mean Todd Zuckerman and and some of these people. I have to always remind myself of two things. It's the same conversation. It's funny. A lot of a lot of it is a. I mean, we have different. We can have some different experiences based on the different things that that different players have gotten to, but there's a lot of some real tight similarities, you know. Yeah, and I, yeah, I just worked with a, a new uh, a bass player whose name I've a guy named Tim Lafave in New York. He was playing mm-hmm. bass on this on this deal, and I. Uh, I've known about him for a long time, but I'd not ever met him before, mm-hmm. and I certainly hadn't played with him before. And there's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, he's not a Nashville guy at all. Mm-hmm. He's a New York guy. He lives in Tucson now. But, uh, you know, there's a lot. We talk When we get into the thing about, as a player, the approach that, like the dealing with social media, there's the whatever with the, trying to get the gigs, mm-hmm. or the whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's all the same shit. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all, we're all in this sort of battle. So I think for particularly for younger players or newer players or whatever, I think you could take a lot of the stuff that we can talk about and say, yeah, you're probably going to run across the same stuff or you're Mm -hmm. going to have the same revelations Mm -hmm. at some point. Mm -hmm. Your own way of getting there that you'll get, you know, it's going to happen because I think it's part of the territory, you know. There's some exceptions, you know, where people have just lived in in a bubble where they've been in like a super famous band from a very young age. But if I can extrapolate 
something that's relatable to those of us that are in the trenches. Yeah. Doing all kinds of gigs. Which I really think is most of us. But dude, this has been great. I appreciate you. Oh, man. I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you. All right. All right. Good let's deal. beat Matt this. And, okay. And pitch correct it. <laughs> yeah, let me sound replace it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So there you have it, my conversation with Nick Buda. I was so excited that he had the time to sit down and talk to me. He is a busy man, uh, not only with family, but with uh, career and recording and everything. So it makes sense that um, we had to uh, juggle some dates to find the time to sit down and record. Next week, we are going to take some time off for the New Year's and um, celebrate that. I am recording this uh, episode on the eve of Christmas Eve, so wishing you all the best of holidays with whatever you've got going on in your life. So we appreciate uh, you all listening. It's been uh, an interesting year, but a great year here in 2021. We are looking forward to some more exciting things with the podcast in 2022. But for now, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and hope to see you around. Bye-bye.